You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I have a very special guest today, my sister-in-law, Kim, who I wrote about in my book, A Change of Affection, and she played a really key role in my conversion to Christ and my uh, coming to faith in Christ. And uh, she, I finally got her to agree to come on my show. She doesn't like doing these kind of things, but I'm so happy to have her on the show. And we're going to talk about kind of just the whole process of, you know, when she found out I was quote unquote gay and then what happened, how she responded, how she reacted, what she thought and all those things. And also we're going to end on kind of her advice to to parents and to family members who are dealing with this so um and and again in my book she i kind of give her as the example of an evangelical christian who in my life was uh such an amazing um person and she the way she loved me the way she interacted with me when i was living as a gay man so um i'm so excited excited to have kim on welcome kim Thanks. It's nice to be here. It's so good to finally have you on the okay. show. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, exciting. Yeah. So as I, you know, I, I've mentioned you, obviously, <laughs> first of all, I've been, I talk about you in my book all the time, or I've talked about you in my book, but I talk yeah. about you all the time when I'm speaking and on the road mm-hmm. and when I speak at conferences and I, you're kind of my illustration of <laughs> sort of the ideal evangelical Christian to oh. have in a, as a family member mm-hmm. when, you know, you're, you're living a, you know, homosexual life. And, um, mm. and so I'm glad to, cause uh, to have you on, because I, I, I love your perspective on all the, all of this and, um, yeah, it was you and for for whatever reason, and we can get into this, mm-hmm. uh, you were this a big sort of influence in my life when I was mm-hmm. going through all of that. And so first, before we get mm-hmm. into all that, what when did you come to faith in Christ? What what was okay. your when did you get saved? Well, if you would ask my mom, it was probably when I was three or four, but I obviously don't have recollection of that, but I've just always known Jesus has always been in my life. But when I went to a camp and I was probably 10, I think I was 10 or 11. And there was a, there was a great song playing and it was just talking about, you know, just all these tears and Jesus dying. And in the middle of that song, it was like, I realized that if I was just the only one that Jesus had died just for me, I did get a little dramatic. I got up and left the room and my counselor came and prayed with me. Cause I was like, you know, the girls just do that dramatic thing. You get up and you cry and you leave the room. <laughs> so, but that was when I think I realized at that time that it was just, you know, that it was just for me too. Jesus just, if, if I had been the only person, you know, Jesus. Wow. And me. so what, what was it like the days following that? Were you just like crying? Yeah. Were you like in the word or was it, was it, what was that, that it, like? It really, I, it really wasn't that much different. And I, part of this, I have struggled with this in my adult life because I don't ever feel like I had a before and after because right. Jesus, Jesus has always been with me. I mean, I've just always had him my entire yeah. life. So I didn't feel any differently. It just, I just kept doing the same, you know, I was the same, you know, yeah. That, that it was, but I think it was just more of me personally recognizing that, you know, yes, Jesus died for everybody, but in that moment in time, for me, it became a very personal thing that yes, Jesus died for me, for all, for my sins. And do you think when that happened, was your personal relationship with Jesus, was that kind of, did that ramp up or, or was it the same? It probably was the same. I don't think it really ramped up more until I got probably a lot older. Okay. Got, yeah. 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 
And so what, how old was I when you met me? I think you were 13. I was 13. Oh, that's weird. That's my grandson's age. That is really weird. <laughs> Thinking about that. You were Gavin's age. Yeah. But I think because Greg and I got married in 81. So how, is that, were you 13 in, in 1981? Now we have to do math. Yeah. I was, th- I was probably 13 or 12 because I went off to high school when I was 13, I think. Okay. So yeah. 81, I graduated St. Ruta 82. I think I was still in elementary school, right? I was still at St. Rita. You might've been. I, so yeah. I was probably like 12. Okay. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? So that was kind of, yeah, that was a crucial time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it was like mm-hmm. right before puberty. Yeah. Um, it was so funny. I remember St. Rita. So like everyone in my class at St. Rita, all the boys were, were when we graduated, we were prepubescent and then the first it was like this weird crazy thing and then the sum and then when we all went to jesuit the next year mm-hmm. the, like over the summer everyone had gone through puberty it didn't change <laughs> it was like whoa <laughs> like everyone's taller now uh-huh. and their voices are deeper i know it's weird it was a weird happens. moment but i guess that's how they plan you know yeah. high school versus elementary so when did you first mm. suspect that something was different about me or mm. like that I might be gay or that I, that I might be different in some way? Uh, I don't know that I really ever suspected. I mean, I can look back at now and see certain things. Um, I mean, you always dated these incredibly beautiful girls. I know. <laughs> they were, I mean, like, wow. I know uh, in but, high school, I went steady with like these supermodel yeah, girls at Hawkeye. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't remember, you know, just thinking, you know, my putting my finger on it, you know, that, oh yeah, I think something, I think, you know, something's going on with Becca. And I was probably more concerned with what was going on with you spiritually then, because when we were living at the house and you were in high school, and you started really started questioning some of the stuff going on in the Bible, like creation and did the flood really happen? And Oh, did I, was I doing that? Yeah. So I was talking to you about that because yes. for, for a while, when you and, and Greg, my brother first got married, mm-hmm. you lived uh, at my parents' house and I right. was obviously still living there. So we mm-hmm. had a lot of conversations Yeah, and I guess I was, I mean, I knew, you know, I knew you were a Christian. Mm-hmm. I knew, um, but I guess I was questioning stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. What, what, what was I saying besides that? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Cause, and I, you know, there was, I just know you were struggling with some of the stuff. One of the priests was talking about one day we, and I, I wish I could remember that, but it's been too long ago. It's been like 30 some odd years. Um, but in our late night conversations, but that you really were starting to think if really, if all that was true, you know, did the, did the flood really actually happen? Cause you were like, eh, I don't think that really happened. Right. And the whole thing with creation, you know, the seven day thing and um, yeah. just starting really to wonder, you know, what was really going on out there, evolution and creation and what was, what really was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I remember now that you bring that up, I remember that I was starting to question. And as I said on this show before, you know, growing up, I never, Obviously, I, you know, I wasn't regenerated, you know, I didn't have a mm-hmm. regenerate, regenerate mind. Mm-hmm. So I had no way of knowing I was blind, you know, right. I was still blind. Sure. So and I couldn't see. So mm-hmm. there was no way for me to know the truth and the words, you know, in scripture, the, the Bible to me was just kind of like, none of it made sense to me, even. And there was mm-hmm. one class at Jesuit where, um, one of, it was kind of the only class at Jesuit, uh, where one of the, he wasn't a priest yet. He was an S he was, a like, a what's the word? He was like becoming mm. a priest. Um, okay. he was an SJ society of Jesus or something. Anyway, he was becoming a priest, but he was pre he was teaching out of the Bible, which was kind of, it was the only time that happened at Jesuit that um, one of our, I mean, we had religion class every single day for Mm -hmm. an hour, 50 minutes, whatever. And I remember it was the only time that someone was teaching out directly out of the Bible. And Mm, I remember being kind of fascinated by it. I was like, this is interesting. Mm. And then uh, lo and behold, the next year he was gone. (laughs) 
Like, I don't know if he got fired really? or if he, if he left the ministry and, you know, cause I, I thought, I think he ended up getting married and et cetera. Mm. But mm. so um, that was kind of like, but I remember that class and I remember, you know, kind of the Bible being the, for the first time in my life, the Bible being interesting. It was kind of like the word mm-hmm. of God was actually being preached or talked about or read, or we were studying yeah. it. You know, we were, it was like a Bible study basically. And okay. um, so, so when, when did you know that I was quote unquote gay? I don't like using the term gay, but I I'm know. just going to yeah. use that. Um, but when, when did you realize that? Your brother, Marcel told me we were at the beach. <laughs> was at the beach with Greg and I, and that was, I think that was when you had, and how old was I, how old was I? You were in Japan. Okay. I was living in Tokyo. You were living time. in Tokyo. Yeah. Sorry. Tokyo. So I and like I think 22. this was the letter that you had written to Rachel. Is that correct? Yeah. So what happened just, are you to, called Rachel? I don't remember if it was, a no, this is, so this to remind my audience. Okay. Uh, so my sister, while I was, I went, I moved to Tokyo after college for a year to kind of figure out my life. And, uh, <laughs> and I moved there with my best friend from college and while I was there, okay. It was like late. It was kind of like eight months into it. I got a disturbing letter from my sister, mm-hmm. Rachel. And that's right. She had, she wrote me this long letter saying like, you know, Hey, I've been suspecting this for a long time. And she kind of, she saw a picture. She found some photos of me, like with, with my friends. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like my guy friends. And we were a little too kind of like, you know, affectionate or something like okay. we were, our arms were around each other or something. Uh-huh. Um, and so she asked me if I was gay and I remember kind of being a little shocked by that, but I wrote her back a letter saying, you know, I wrote her a letter saying, explaining the whole thing. And I said, yes, I am. And, and then of course I said, please mm-hmm. don't tell anyone because and she did. <laughs> I I'll tell her, I'll tell mom and dad when I get home. And she told, yeah. I think she told everyone immediately, yeah. but so Marcel, so what mm-hmm. happened at the beach with Marcel? Oh, I denied it. I said, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. See, at the very, I didn't believe it at the very beginning. I was like, no, he's not. So but where did uh, Marcel say he got the information? Oh gosh. I don't remember. Um, I, I kind of remember, I'm trying to remember, we were walking on the beach when he, when he said it and I don't, I actually don't remember the context around it. And, and so what did, what did Greg think when Marcel said that? Uh, I don't remember Greg's reaction either. That's interesting. And, and so did that kind of plant a seed in your mind or, and did you start to kind of like wonder, like, is this real or did you just completely? A little bit. No, I mean, I just, um, I think my life was so crazy at that time too. I was going through so much, you know, in my life that it was, okay, yes, this might be happening, but you know, I'm not going to worry about it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I've got four kids. I don't have time to worry about this. (laughs) Um, So, and what, I mean, you may not know the answer to this, but Mm -hmm. what were, what was my, this, my, the reaction from my siblings at that time when, when they kind of found out? Or do you you know? I don't think I know that that either. Or if I do, I really don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. At the, I mean, at the very beginning. Okay. And then finally, when did you? When did you fully? I think maybe when I got home from Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Like, when did you fully believe that that it was a reality? Um. Yeah, I think it was after you had come. I'm trying to remember when you came home for a visit after that. And it was, it may have been after you had the conversation with your parents, I'm trying to remember, but it was kind of like, it just became out in the open. It was just, that's, it was there. Yeah. Cause you were completely, I guess, out. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, you know, I talk about in my book. Mm-hmm. And because in Tokyo, I had met um, a guy, I had met a guy from Texas who was visiting us mm-hmm. and that was the first time, and I'm not going to say his name, but that was the first right. time I had fallen in love and mm-hmm. And that's when I was emboldened to come out to my, my whole family. And um, mm-hmm. so when I got home from Tokyo, I was actually happy that Rachel had told my whole family and my, mm-hmm. and my parents, because it kind of took the weight off of me. So I didn't have to like do this whole, like, mom, dad, have a seat. I need to tell you something like they mm-hmm. already knew. And yeah, in fact, they probably already knew and had time to like process, process. it. Yeah. 
So by the time I got home, it was like, you know, mom and dad were just so they were so sweet about it. You know, Mm -hmm. my, I, and I never really know. I always talk about this, but uh, my dad's reaction and my mom's reaction was, was so loving and part, Mm -hmm. I always attribute it to number one, I was the youngest of eight kids. And so by the time they got (laughs) to me, they were just like, whatever, but also, um, so, I mean, what do you, th- why do you think my parents were so sort of, um, it just seemed like they weren't rattled by it. Hmm. Do you know, do you have any insight into that? Like why they were just kind of mellow and just loving about it? No, probably because everything they'd been through with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same thing, but like different issues. Yeah, Different issues. Different I mean, issues. There's, there's a lot of you. I mean, there's eight of you. And I mean, that's all, that was a lot, you know, and teenagers and everything else. So. I, you know, I I don't, yeah, I don't really know that I have, you know, um, I just, your parents were always gracious with things though. I mean, I do have to say that about them. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they had, they were very level-headed about stuff. Right. Because I remember, you know, when, I mean, cause you know, Greg and I were pregnant when we, when I got, we got married and I had only met your parents one time. Oh my gosh. I didn't know. And that. it was like as Greg's friend. I mean, it was so, so the next time we're coming over to the house to tell your parents that, you know, we're going to get married because I'm having a baby. And they were just, you know, your mom was hilarious. She goes, Oh, praise Jesus. We're going to have a baby. I mean, she was so. <laughs> That's so Diane. <laughs> I love that. I mean, so they were so, they were so gracious, you know, and loving, to, you know, with, with. And my years. dad was as well. My he dad was. There was no, you know, at that time. I mean, I didn't feel any judgment or anything. That's great. From yeah. Parents. So, so see, it was, there was already, they were already going through things by the time they, you know, yeah. got to you. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, it's so once you, once you realize it was a reality that I was, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote gay, what did you do? Like what in turn, or what did you, what did you think? And what did you, what did you do? Like, what was your response to that? Um, for a little while, I didn't worry about it. I just didn't, I, I wasn't worried about it. I mean, I think part of it, you weren't here. Yeah. You know, so you were living, I was living in, in Los Angeles. You know, so, you know, and we just, the, so there wasn't really you know, that much of an issue of it between us then. I don't know that there really ever was. I don't think it really ever concerned me that much. I was more concerned with, with your salvation than I was with you, whether you were gay or not at that time, you know, and that was my biggest concern, um, you know, all the time was just, because I, that's, you know, I didn't, because I, you know, I knew that you were struggling and then I was like, well, I'm sure you probably aren't now. And then, um, but I, you know, I just, I think it became more cons- um, bothersome for me. Um, and I think it really, really was when I was doing, I was doing a, a Bible study on Revelation. And um, I remember that I was going to write you this really long letter and then seal and go in case of rapture, open this up and read it because (laughs) that all of a sudden became my concern was like, Oh my gosh, you know, if the rapture happens, you're not going to go. And, you know, and I just remember feeling so burdened that you would not be in eternity with me. And it's just, I really could not, I just was like, I can't handle that. I just don't want to even think about that. And And so is that when you started praying for me or what? what? I had, yeah, you know, I had a really good, dear, dear, sweet friend that we did Bible study together. And she kind of taught me how to pray. She literally prayed about everything. I remember one time her dryer was broken and she didn't have time to get it fixed right away. So just <laughs> prayed for the, um, you know, the dryer until she could get someone there to get it fixed. But I mean, she literally prayed for absolutely everything, but she prayed through scripture. And I remember that I started doing that then, um, just praying scripture. And then, you know, I would just open the Bible and, you know, and I, I need to go back to doing that. Um, that God would just show me, reveal verses to me and then place those verses on my heart. And that's what I prayed. The one of, you know, the verse that he gave me for you was just, it still blows my mind. Because, well, let, let's see the verse. Okay. First of all, right. show, show the picture or show the, your Bible. Of that oh, verse, my Bible. Okay, like hold it up it. to the camera because right, I want I'll people to see. Okay, there it is. Wait, can you hold see it, it up. 
No, hold right. it up really close. All right, better. How's that? Can you see it? Yeah. So, like, what's what does it say in the margin? Can because it's hard to read that. Oh, in the margin it says um, Beckett was saved to uh, September twentieth, two thousand nine. Does it say anything else or just the that? one? Yeah, you because know, under after after the verse, when I um, I wrote one twenty nine ninety five, pray for Beckett. Nice. Yeah. So ooh, so ni- wait, nineteen ninety five. So yeah, I was in LA. Yeah. For, I had been in LA for like two or plus years at yeah. that time. Yeah. And so how did you? So that's Acts twenty six eighteen. Yes. Okay, and now I'm going to have you read that in a second. But before I'm going to set that pat, that verse up, it's okay. Paul. Paul is standing before Agrippa, mm-hmm. and he's giving sort of his testimony, basically, and he's he's telling a King King Agrippa what God, um, you know, what God basically had Paul doing, and so, mm-hmm. um, so read that that verse is weird. Maybe read the verse right before it, verse seventeen, because it, it's a it's a weird verse because it's in the middle of a sentence. So can you read mm. verse 17 and 18? Yeah, I think I'm going to start at 16. Okay, start at 16. Yeah. But arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to point you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Wow. Wow. So the, yeah. So basically the, <laughs> the, the main verse is Acts 26, 18. Mm-hmm. And so like, so you, like how often would you pray that verse or pray that over me or pray for me? Like what uh, was it like a regular thing or was it? I don't know. Like- I don't think it was a regular thing. It was just, I would pray. And then I, you know, every once in a while it would, God would, you know, probably remind me to do it. Um, but I don't know if it was a constant thing, you know, continual thing. Um, it's just kind of when I would just get that God would lay it on my heart. Yeah. And then let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny because, you know, I would come home for the mm-hmm. holidays for, from LA for Christmas and right. New Year's or whatever. And, um, I remember I think it, cause you would reach out to me mm-hmm. and ask yeah. me to, to have coffee with you. And mm-hmm. I remember the first couple of times thinking like, you know, what, that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I of course loved you, but I just was mm-hmm. like, that's weird because, you know, I'm gay and she's a Christian. Like, why is Kim, why does she want to get together? So what was the, mm. mot- what was the impetus the, f- the first time you reached out to me to have coffee? Oh, I probably just wanted to hang out and see you. I just missed you. I mean, we kind of bonded a little bit when I moved in with your parents, cause you stayed up with me and helped me with my kids. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, you know, I had a baby and Greg was traveling and oh my goodness. And, you know, you were a night owl like me. So we just would have those conversations. And I think there was just a bonding there you know, that, I mean, you just kind of became my little brother. And so, you know, and just missing you, I just missed you. And you were, I mean, you were just always tons of fun to have, to have conversations with. So I mean, yeah. we always laughed and had a good time together. So it really was, that was probably more it than anything else. You know, it was just that I just wanted to see you. And, and, you know, and you, you know, I wanted to hear what you were doing and, you know, being out in, you know, in LA and it was just, you know, it was just fun hearing all your stories. And so was, cause I don't recall, and I always say this mm-hmm. when I speak, but I don't recall you ever kind of pulling it out. I don't remember you kind of pulling out your Bible and quoting scripture, or you may have quoted scripture, but you never once said to me like, Hey, Beckett, like, you know, you're sinning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Cause I always no. tell people like, I would talk about mm-hmm. guys and you would talk about God. Like God. <laughs> you were, you were very open about your mm-hmm. faith and you would talk about God the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I would cut, talk about like my life in LA. Mm-hmm. I would talk about the guys that I was dating and Mm-hmm. what is that true? I mean, or did you, I can't remember, or did you, I don't remember. I mean, I could have said, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that I, I don't remember specifically coming off like that. I don't know that that would have been my nature. I wouldn't have done that. Um, 
but um, I'm kind of surprised I didn't say verses, but I mean, I don't, I don't remember that. And were you, was it, was it, was it strange to you when I, I mean, I don't know how often I did this, but was it strange to you if I did bring up kind of like a boyfriend uh, and uh, we talk about him during our conversations? No, I mean, the one time, I do remember one time, <laughs> it was really funny. We were sitting in and a guy walked in and you were like, you said you had gaydar and this guy <laughs> walked in and there was just, we kind of both laughed about it. Um, but that was about it. But that was really, no, it wasn't. Um, I think the only time for me that it really became, I do remember being an issue one time. I think you were coming home for Christmas one year. With my boyfriend. You wanted to bring someone home. And I was like, oh, well, I can't stay at my house. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, and yeah, I remember. So my family, mm-hmm. yeah, my fam- there was a whole kind of emergency meeting at my, yeah, fam- there was. my family. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like the Council of Nicaea or the Council of Trent. <laughs> it was actually the Council of Trent. But, um, yeah. but I remember because what happened was... Um, my mother called me and of course, you know, my mom, mm-hmm. Diane, you know, Diane, yeah. she, she just like wanted to see me no matter what. So she didn't care if I was bringing home like 20 boyfriends. Right. Um, all she cared mm-hmm. about was seeing me. So mm-hmm. she called me and I remember I was living up in Benedict Canyon and um, she called me and she was like whispering in the phone and she's like, Hey Beck, like, don't bring your boyfriend home for Christmas. I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, She's like, yeah, like, and because the family had already had like this meeting about it. And mm-hmm. apparently they were, you know, upset about me bringing someone home, which is funny because, you know, it's so funny to me now to think about that because mm-hmm. it's like, I think the concern was, oh, we don't want our kids to see that, but it's like, mm-hmm. Your kids are not going to come to Christ or not based on that. Like Mm -hmm. they're going to come to Christ because God, you know, it's like that, that has no, that has no effect on people's salvation. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that I got saved in LA, you know, Mm -hmm. of all places, it's just like God, it's the power of God. It's not like, oh, we need to protect, you know, they can't see Beckett with a boyfriend. I mean, I get the, I get the impulse. Like we don't want Mm -hmm. them exposed to that, but obviously in today's, today's culture there's no getting away from it so you there's like it's pointless Mm -hmm. but I remember so my dad my mom said don't you know please don't bring your boyfriend home like it's going to cause all this all this all these problems and I said mom get dad on the phone right now and this is the first time I'd ever been super Mm -hmm. bold with my dad and I was Mm -hmm. just like dad and I, w- I remember cursing at him. Like I had never wow. done that with mm. my dad. Like you just don't do that. And mm-hmm. I just was like, dad, if like, if I can't bring him home, uh, then I'm not coming home. And I remember in that moment, he was like my hero because he just, he was like, he's like, Beck, don't worry about it. Just come home. Mm. And I was like, wow. Like mm-hmm. I was surprised that he did that. Mm-hmm. It was almost like he was like protecting me and stand, almost like standing up for me. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that because again, it's like, if I had been banned from coming home, again, God's in control and he's sovereign. But if mm-hmm. I had been banned from coming home with my boyfriend, and obviously this is like different for parents and they have to mm-hmm. make their own decisions. But I was an adult, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. like my, a teenager. I was 25 at the, I was, no, no, I was, wait, I I was older. I was like 29 at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I had been banned from coming home, it would have just caused a big wedge between me Mm -hmm. and my family. And Mm -hmm. so it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have helped in any way. It would have just, it would have just hurt. Um, But again, parents have to kind of navigate those things on their own. There's no one answer, one size fits all answer. And so what did you meet? But I I don't remember. I don't, I really, I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to, I'm sitting here trying to recollect if I actually met him and I don't know if I did. Yeah. Uh, What's interesting about that time. It was so crazy. I never get sick. I never get the, and I never get the flu, but that trip Mm. I get to Dallas Mm -hmm. 
and we get to mom and dad's house and I get the flu and I'm literally in bed the entire time. Mm. And my boyfriend is having to deal with my family the whole time by himself. <laughs> so that was really crazy. Yeah. Um, that was a really wow. crazy time. And so what, and what was, mm. what was my family's reaction to bringing him home? I guess they were not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, I know. I wish I could rem- go back and remember some of those conversations. I just, um, I'm sure Mary and I talked a little bit, but I don't really, um, I really can't recollect if there was a lot of conversation about it. I just yeah. know that I think it was just us because all of our kids were so young. Yeah. I think that was more of it than anything. We were just, it's just a mom thing. You want to protect your kids. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I get it. Yeah. And then, um, and then so, so over the years, how, I mean, when you were praying for me over the years and I was living in LA mm-hmm. and coming back and every time mm-hmm. I would come back home, we would almost every time I think get mm-hmm. together. Pretty much almost every, oh yeah, we did pretty much almost. And um, I remember, and what's, what's, what's interesting, what, this is the weird dichotomy of it all mm-hmm. or the weird kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, oxymoron, but mm-hmm. I, at that point in my life, was pretty much an atheist, if not an agnostic, mm-hmm. but I knew for some, I knew that your faith was real. Mm, okay. It was weird. Like I knew huh. that your faith okay. was real and that mm-hmm. I knew that you weren't, you, you weren't worshiping a, the spaghetti monster in the sky. <laughs> I knew that you actually believed in God and that mm-hmm. you, it was real. Like it was so weird because I, Hmm. I remember coming every time I would come home for the holidays, it was really jarring for me because I would, um, I could sense that my family members were, had like genuine faith that it was, and it wasn't like fake, it was real. Mm -hmm. And I I could tell that they had real relationships with Jesus and with Mm -hmm. God. And, and I knew it was real. And I remember especially later on, I remember wanting to leave as soon as possible. Like I remember mm. just like after a couple of days being like, I got to get out of here. Like this oh. is too, it's, it's like, uh, it's almost like it was kind of uh, wrecking my own reality mm-hmm. and my own world. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, I had to escape. <laughs> I was like, get me on the next plane back to LA. Like I can't, cause it, it was too hard to reconcile the fact that wow. you, your faith and my family's faith was real, but I was like living a godless life basically. And mm-hmm. it was so hard to kind of wrap my head around that, that I just, and once I got back to LA, I just was like, I, I got back into my friend group and I got mm-hmm. back into my routine and my boyfriends. And I felt, I was like, okay, I can relax mm-hmm. now. Like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was, it was jarring when was I would go home. Probably some warfare going on there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There was a major warfare (laughs) happening. And then, so what did, okay. So obviously September 20th, 2009 Mm. happened. And Mm. I went to reality LA, got saved on the very first time, my very first time. And it was Mm. insane and amazing and a very powerful road to Damascus conversion. And then I think I reached out. I remember um, I, because the, my, the family is so big, I just, mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't call everyone. It was just too much. It was so, I, first of all, I was so overwhelmed. I saved the email. I have it in my Bible. Oh, good. So you could read it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so I remember thinking like, okay, I'm just going to roll this out slowly because I know as soon as I let the cat out of the bag, I'm using mixing metaphors, but as soon as I let the cat out of the bag, um, I'm going to start getting phone calls and I'm not prepared really to like, have. Mm-hmm. it's just too overwhelming to have these conversations right now. So I remember I emailed Damien first. Mm-hmm. He was my first, it was, it was interesting that I emailed him first because out of all the siblings, Damien uh, was the kind of the most stern he was you know Mm -hmm. all my uh, damien is a a christian like very devout committed christian and 
uh, out of all the siblings, he was almost kind of like, for lack of a better word, he was the most sort of judgmental about my situation. Mm-hmm. Even in high school, he's like sat me down and was like, you need to be above reproach. And I didn't know what that meant. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, I just want to go party <laughs> with my friends. Um, and so it was like, it was this weird kind of like, I want to tell Damien first. Like, I want to mm-hmm. tell him first because like, it was, it was weird. It was like a weird kind of like, um, desire to let, I just wanted him to know first. And Mm -hmm. so I emailed Damien and Julie and, uh, they, and they, they, I think they called me and just were overwhelmed. And then I emailed you guys. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, first of all, read the email. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. No, I see. I had to save it. Hey, Kim, um, I just wanted to let you know that I've been going through some major changes in the last couple of weeks, and I've become a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I met someone at a coffee shop here a couple of weeks ago and noticed he was praying with a group of friends. After his friends left, I went over to ask him about his faith, etc. I really identified with him and could relate to him very easily. I've been talking with him since, and last Sunday I went to his church in Hollywood, which is amazing, all capital letters. So great. It's a non-denominational Christian church and has an awesome pastor. Very young church and lots of young people. It's called Reality LA. Anyway, I'm so grateful that God has finally come into my life. I'm very grateful that you've been praying for me all of these years. I love you, Beckett. P.S. God is amazing. (laughs) Yes, I said, it's in my Bible. (laughs) So tell me when you opened that email, what was your reaction? Well, Greg read it first and Greg started crying. I thought someone had died. Cause he was just like, you know, so he says, come here, come here, come here. And I'm like, oh gosh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then, then, um, I, I saw it, the email and, um, and I, I called right away. I picked up the phone and called you. I have no idea what t- even time it was. I just said, ah, uh-uh, no, we're not doing, I'm not doing an email. You're talking to me on the phone. Tell me the story. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, did you, um, did you know right away or did I tell you, I must've told you right away that I understood that homosexual behavior was a sin. Uh, Yes, I think so. I think in that conversation, I I just remember there was a lot of crying. I was crying a lot. (laughs) It was just like, I felt like this incredible burden was just like, because it was lifted from me because I had, um, and I don't remember how close this related was. I wish, I wish I had had journaled that some at some point, but I remember having this one conversation with God and I just was pleading with him. And I just remember saying, you know, God, I don't care if he's gay or not. You can deal with that. That's up to you. But I said, just please save him. I just want him saved. I want him in heaven with me. (laughs) That's amazing. And then, so, and then what, what was the vibe with like the rest of my, I, did you talk to my other siblings about it? Were they like excited? I, I mean, I they, don't remember. I don't remember having that. I just, I, I know at some point everybody was just extremely, you know, overjoyed, you know. Yeah. And obviously, yes, that you were, you know, you'd become a Christian because it was, it was, yeah, it was an, incre- an incredible, amazing thing. We were all just, you know, I was. I think I said, you know, all of Texas is crying. No, well, <laughs> maybe being a little dramatic again. Yeah, and but, I, I just, I, re- I remember just thinking, like, wow, not only because as you know, or I've met, mm-hmm. I've talked about this with you before mm-hmm. and it's in my book, I think, but, um, yeah. for all those years that, you know, since high school really, or even before in elementary school, mm-hmm. I always felt slightly alienated from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was different. Like I was just a different, I was different mm-hmm. and I had different interests. I had different things I liked and no one really kind of got me sort of. And, so I, and especially as I got older and, and, and really identified as gay, like I felt this kind of separation from my family. Um, and it was kind of like, cause I remember the, the, the sort of attitude was hate the sin, love the sinner. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that kind of thing to a quote unquote gay person is so offensive because it's like, how can you hate half of me and love half of me? Like, cause it feels like, so like so much of your identity. Yeah. And now so I re- s- <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry. No. So because, but I remember we had <sighs> at one of our Starbucks meetings, we did, I remember having that conversation 
similar to that. It was more of me telling you that I accepted you, but I would not accept your behavior. And then you were like, then you don't accept me. And I go, no, that's not true. I remember we having this little bit of a, Oh, we did. I did. Yeah. I don't remember. I just, this. just thought about that. I know we did. Yeah. Because I was just, you know, telling you, yes, I do accept you. I do love you, but I don't agree with your behavior. And um, oh, okay. you really, you struggled with that a lot. Okay. I don't, I totally blanked mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Well, and I had it, until just now. So I felt this alienation from my mm -hmm. siblings and from everyone really, but this, it wasn't like a severe alienation because everyone, you know, all my, everyone in the family is so kind of like very, um, it's interesting because I mean, everyone in my family is, you know, follows Christ and as, um, and they're all kind of like when you were talking about my parents, mm -hmm. when you guys told them you were pregnant, like all of my siblings are very just loving and they're kind of like just easy, kind of easygoing they're, people. They're, they're, they are. They're not uptight and they're not. Um, no, they're wonderful. Um, yeah. And so I always appreciated that because even though I was living that life, even with my siblings, when I would mm -hmm. go home, they were all very loving to me. I mean, it mm -hmm. was, they were never like, oh, like get away from me, you, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Right. But I remember after I got saved, I was like, oh my God, like that alienation just lifted, lifted off of me immediately. And I was like, mm. not only am I biologically related to these people, but I, now I'm <laughs> spiritually related to them. Yeah. And it just felt like, wow. Like mm -hmm. I, and I remember the first time I came home mm -hmm. for Christmas after I got saved, uh, like, I guess it was like a few months after I got saved that December. Mm -hmm. um, it was just like a whole different experience with my mm -hmm. family with everyone it was just like wow like we're all on the same page mm -hmm. not only you know biologically but spiritually like we're all on the same page yeah. and we all get it we all are we all know the truth we all are in the light we all you know know god we have a relationship with jesus mm -hmm. like it was just it was such a like it was such a huge huge moment and a huge mm -hmm. change in my my kind of feelings about my family it just changed yeah. everything it was a change of affection <laughs> <laughs> hence the title of the book there you go. yeah mm, yeah and so this is a big question I oh. obviously get I get this all the time mm. all the time and you know I use you as an exam an illustration a lot but what because I what do you say and especially now like with mm. this issue being well, first, before I ask that, I okay. how, how did you, um, because the power of the culture and the power of the media, how have you held on to your convictions about this issue? Mm. Oh, good question. I, well, I mean, it's because I think you either believe the Bible or you don't. I mean, I've just, that's kind of with me is like, you know, and I can, I have to temper that a little bit and not be, <laughs> not go to the self-righteous or judgmentalness, but it's like, this is what the Bible says. And I believe every word of the Bible. I believe this is, you know, this is God's story. God has spoken very, very, very clearly. And if we choose to take in what God has told us, you don't get to pick and choose. Right. And God says, this is right. God says, this is wrong. And whether, you know, whether I like it or not, isn't even the question. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just like with me having sex before I got married, that was just, that's just as wrong. I wasn't supposed yeah. to be doing that either, but I didn't like that, you know? And so, but then realizing the more you are walking with the Lord, the more you want to be obedient to him, it comes down to this choice of choosing. Yes, God, I'm going to take you for your word and I'm going to believe what your word says, no matter what the culture says. And, you know, my allegiance is always going to be to God first. Yeah. And I'm looking up, um, I'm looking up a verse, okay. your, your oh, obedience, not burdensome. There's such a good verse on this. Mm -hmm. um, it's in first John chapter five. Uh, it says, 
And this is how I, you know, I talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. how being obedient to God is such a joy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, first John five says to, verse two through four, by this, we know that we, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments mm-hmm. and his commandments are not burdensome. Mm-hmm. So I love that because his commandments are, they really aren't burdensome. No. They're actually, they're actually, it's a joy to be obedient mm-hmm. to God because it's like, he's our father and he mm-hmm. knows what a father knows best. He yep, knows what's he does, best. Literally. And, um, so anyway, I, it's, it's a joy to be obedient to him. So my question is for parents now mm. whose kids come out to them as gay or lesbian or trans or whatever, what can you give them any words mm. of encouragement or advice or wisdom? What would you say? Oh, that's hard right now because of where we are right now. And um, I think the most important thing I think we have to do is love and we have to have grace. You have to have truth, but I think the grace has got to be before the truth in that love. And, um, I just think you need to listen and you need to hear them. Um, I, but I, again, would say don't accept the behavior because the behavior is not right. Um, because they're listening to a lie and they're believing a lie, but to yeah. really just embrace the prayer and, but just to not turn your back and not stop loving them. You've got to keep loving them. Yeah. And I'm going to actually, right now, I'm going to play a clip. I just, a, it's just like 20 second clip from Rosaria Butterfield. She at a conference she did recently mm. okay. that addresses this. And um, so we're going to play that clip and come back to Kim grandparent parents you must love jesus more in order to witness wisely to an indoctrinated child you must stay connected to your child without joining in that indoctrination and that requires in a very powerful way that you fear god more than you fear the rejection of your child Um, proverbs witnesses to us that the fear of man is a snare And a snare is an instrument of execution from which you never extract yourself. So if you are going to be of any good to your grandchild or child, you must stay connected without becoming indoctrinated. Wow. Isn't that good? It's very good. Wow. So last Mm. question. Okay. So, and obviously with parents, you would also obviously urge them to be in prayer for their Mm -hmm. children, you know, Mm -hmm. because prayer is so powerful as we know. And I think we, you know, forget that sometimes like not, not that we forget, but really, you know, it was the prayers of you and my other family members who that, you know, and God answered those prayers. I mean, you guys were praying for me and praying for me and praying for Mm -hmm. me. I think Mary was fasting and, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure everyone was praying, but, um, uh, God answers those prayers. So I think just like Monica, St. Augustine's mother <laughs> who <laughs> prayed for him all the time, um, that's such an important mm-hmm. aspect of it too, just to be yeah. in your prayer closet, begging Definitely God, praying. like you said, you, yeah. you said, you know, God, I, you know, what, mm-hmm. what did you say? Like, I want Beckett mm-hmm. in heaven with me or whatever. Yeah. Just this, uh, yeah, because that was the point. It just was, yeah, it was like, I don't want, I didn't want to carry the burden anymore, really. That was part of it too. I was so burdened by it. And I said, Lord, please just save him. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if he's saying, you know, that, that, that point in time, it was like, I really wasn't worried about you being gay at that point. I just wanted you saved. <laughs> and then like God deal with that when the time came. So, right, right. you know, and I think though, but I do think it sometimes it is those desperate prayers because that's where, you know, that God wants us to just come with those desperate prayers of petition and to just, you know, bear everything to him yeah, and, and, and then let him go to work. It's, you know, and that sometimes is even the harder thing is that, okay, I'm giving this to you, but I'm going to trust you. And then I have to trust your timing. And as a parent with your child, that's really hard 
that is just so hard because, you know, your children, you want your children to be at a certain place and they're not, and, or you want what you know is best for them and they're going to maybe do, be doing their own other thing. And you just have to kind of go and sit back. And there's a great song that talks about, you know, how your battles are won and your battles are won by being on your knees. Yep. And that's how you fight your battles. You have to yeah. fight your battles on your knees. Yeah. So I guess the last question I have is, is still about parents and what would you say to parents? Well, I mean, uh, the clip from Rosaria kind of mm-hmm. says it all, but what would you say to parents who Christian parents who have a child who comes out to them mm-hmm. and are tempted to cave to the culture and attempt to, or tempted to, um, to be gay affirming or trans affirming or whatever affirming, like, what would you say to parents who, hmm. who have that kind of temptation to go there? To, to become gay affirming because okay. their child, because their child comes out. Cause I find that that's a very common thing that happens. I think it's happening now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very difficult, but again, I think you have to go back to what, you have to lean again, what scripture says. And I think it's kind of what she's saying too. You have to lean on Jesus even more and love Jesus even more and go, this is what Jesus says. This is what God says. Yeah. And I am going to love you. I do love you. But again, stress that the behavior it's, it's, it's a behavior that's wrong and you're be and they're, they're listening to a lie. Yeah. Well, I love that. We're going to leave it there. Okay. Thank you, Kim, for finally coming on the show. <laughs> All right. So glad you came. Okay. So thank you guys for watching and uh, we will see you next week on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. God kept calling my heart like I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome more than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting and he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.